I worked for the library from uh, 1992, 2016. As I'm crossing the front desk area, on my right ear, I hear somebody right up to me go, okay. I kind of looked around, nobody, no re- reaction. So I thought, okay. And then a bit later, walking across, I hear, and it's like it's it's like breath on your head. It happened three times. And Marilyn, she said, you've got a funny look on your face. What's wrong? And I says, okay, don't think I'm crazy. But somebody said, Mickey, in my ear. And then she looked a little funny. I says, what? And she says, they've been doing that to me all week. On this episode of That Doesn't Happen Every Day, in which we interview everyday people about things that don't normally happen every day, We go to the Sweetwater County Library in Green River, Wyoming, and I get a little bit more than I'd bargain for. There it is. I'm pulling up to the Sweetwater County Library. En route to the library, I'd sent Mickey a text saying I'd be 12 minutes late and that I was sorry. She sent back a response. I said, it's okay. We're having some activity. I wasn't sure what that meant, but given the reputation of the library, I hoped that I was misreading the text or that it had been autocorrected wrong. I don't know, maybe they mean something spooky's going on. I hope not. Unlike other places that are said to have odd things happening in them, like a Victorian house or at least some type of old building, the Sweetwater County Library looks pretty new. It's made out of big, long red bricks and reminds me of the countless other libraries and schools that were built in the 80s. Um, I've seen... Shadows in the stacks. Today's Sunday, so the library is closed to the public. You'd see movement out of the corner of your eyes, and you knew you saw something, but you didn't know what it was. But as I walk up to the brick bunker of books, someone has left the door ajar for me. And he watched a book come off the shelf, hover, and drop. Maybe it's just out of manners, or maybe because of what the text message said, but I stop just outside the doorway and call hello. I apologize for not having audio of this, but I never approach a place with a camera or audio recorder going because I think it's rude. I saw a gentleman, blonde hair in a tan jacket, and he comes out from the stacks, and it was steps, one, two, three, gone. No one responds from inside the building, but after I go in, I think I hear a woman's voice coming from an open room upstairs. Then I see two women working at a table straight ahead of me on the ground floor. One of them is Mickey Gilmore, and she's surrounded by little black boxes and other electronics that I find out are ghost hunting stuff. Mickey is more than willing to share her spooky stories from the library. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone, so I turned, and there was this lady standing there, and there's the counter, so you could only see about chest high to her head. And she had either short or pulled back hair. It was medium brown. She was Caucasian. She had a cream color shirt that kind of looked very old-fashioned, I have to say. And then I couldn't see the rest of her. But she only looked straight ahead, just like... Mickey pauses to cross her arms and glare creepily into the distance straight ahead. No movement, no anything. And she didn't interact. I says, we'll be with you in just a minute, because it was busy, busy time at the library. So I, I kind of thought it was odd, but, you know, I had work to do. So I hollered at the youth services lady, and I said, Hannah, could you come? And she goes, I'll be right there. And Hannah comes, she goes, what lady? And I says, well, wait a minute, where'd she go? Well, where she was, you would have had to have gone past me, the lady I was working with. Hannah would have bumped into her. Elise would have seen her. No one saw her. So we all went looking. The lady I was waiting on, her name was Jackie, and she said, Mickey, I saw her too. And so we never found her. 
She couldn't have got past us. Mickey had another experience with someone who was there and then suddenly wasn't when she was giving a tour and the library was closed. And as we got to the uh, young adult area towards the back of the library, and the lady next to me taps me on the shoulder, she goes, who's that? And I looked over, we all looked over, and she took off running. So there was no sound, but you saw her run. And we all took off after her. There's no way somebody could have been in there, you would have heard the running, that she would have hit the door. The door's a little ways away. She could never have made it. We searched the building, nothing. I knew what we saw. And it still gives me chills to think of it. When we come in in the mornings, we'll find books that have been pushed off of the shelf. That's Tiffany Kana. She still works at the library. You can tell that they've been pushed because they're not, like if a book were to fall off the shelf, it would be kind of close. You'll find them quite a distance from where they were actually shelved. They're pushed so hard that the latest one, it actually broke the spine on the book. Um, That's become quite a regular occurrence to have that. Tiffany's experiences with the strangeness in the stacks actually started before she ever worked there. So my first experience in the bathroom with the lady happened when I was about eight or nine years old, and that was in like 1982, 83, when the building was fairly new. And I happened to look up on the wall, and I saw an old woman's face, and she looked like she was mad. She looked angry, but it could have just been the way that she looked because I don't know I was a little kid but a lot of kids report seeing a woman in that bathroom I literally went into the first stall and there were four stalls in our ladies room and there was a little girl in there at the time somebody we knew she was in the library all the time I was in the first she was in the second she comes out before me and I hear a woman's voice and I thought well that's odd and, you know, we're always kind of protective of kids, and we keep an ear out. You could hear her voice, and the little girl starts sleeping. She goes, now wash your hands. And I thought, so I peek out, and the little girl's looking up towards the area where the uh, handicap stall is. There's no one there. And the little girl gives her a smile, washes her hands, and she leaves. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll wash my hands too. <laughs> Ironically, during the interview, I had to break to use the restroom, and while Mickey and Tiffany tell me that the men's room is not as haunted, it didn't make me feel much better. I ended up using the urinal in the corner while looking over my shoulder the whole time. After hurrying back from the restroom so I wouldn't be alone in Green River's creepy library, I thought I was safe back at the table with my favorite librarians. Until Mickey started talking about sightings of a former librarian. Kids have reported seeing the lady with the glasses and they described her. She went by Bess. One of the ghost hunting gadgets lights goes off. Is it going? Oh, K2's going off. Hi, Elizabeth. And while Mickey is thrilled, she can tell by my expression that I'm not. In our estimation, you have no reason to be afraid. I'm a chicken. That wasn't a ghost. That was me. If you've listened to the show before, you know that I love ghost stories, but trying to actually reach out to them has never been something I've wanted to do. I already feel like my life is confusing and crazy enough. They are keeping their distance a little bit because I think they feel that you're a little uneasy. The other reason why I think I'm uneasy isn't just because of the creepy vibe. It's because of something I already knew about the library. It's based on physical evidence that makes the ghost stories seem even more plausible. Mickey talks about one of the many findings that add to the belief that the library might be haunted. I think it was 1996. I was part-time. There was some pipe works going on down below the library, and as the digger went in, it brought up bones. 
and they found two caskets, and it had broke the one open, and literally, sadly, the head came up with it. So everybody freaked out and uh, caused a big, big commotion, let me tell you. Mickey wrote a book called Spirits in the Stacks, Tales from Sweetwater County's Haunted Library. Inside of it, you can see a photo from the skeleton exhumed that day, as well as a picture of Charlie Love, an anthropologist from Rock Springs, examining a skull. So how do two bodies end up on the grounds of the Green River Library? This was the place where the old city cemetery sat. The town grew around the cemetery, and then it got to the point where it was too full. So they decided they needed to move the cemetery. They proceeded to unearth remains and take any markers and move the people, the remains, up the hill to the newer cemetery. The thing is, removing human remains, especially from old western cemeteries, can be more complicated than you'd think. In the old days, they didn't have the regulations for burial as we do today. And what happened, they believe, is they found remains without a marker. Some were in coffins, yes, but some were in blankets. Some were just in the ground. In addition to poorly marked graves, a lack of coffins, and non-standard burial depths, other factors made it hard to find all of the bodies that had been deposited at the site for over three decades. The soil that we're on currently is a type of soil that if it gets too saturated with water, it can shift slightly and gradually. Everything got jumbled. Something else that should be noted about the removal of the bodies was that a smallpox outbreak in the 1890s was the reason why some of those bodies were in the cemetery in the first place, resulting in a lot of people not being eager to touch them. John Ligursky, who served as a foreman while building the library, asked a doctor if people could get sick by handling the remains. Apparently, the doctor wouldn't respond, but didn't touch them himself. Ligursky also said that calling a halt to construction to deal with the remaining bodies also upset a lot of workers and investors, so the practice was frowned upon, despite his threatening to quit if they didn't. In the front, you'll see the walls where the flower beds are. Those had to be replaced, and as they did that, some bones tumbled out. <laughs> it's been suggested that they, they, those people thought that someone had found them and just shoved them in and didn't want to deal with it. And every time... They start digging up the grounds. They find something. They were doing redoing the street out in front of the library, and they had a digger come through. Next thing, they're bringing in a handle to a casket. It was elaborate. It was really pretty. Unfortunately, that's all there was. To clarify something, the call to move the cemetery was in 1926, and then the space remained relatively vacant until after the Second World War when veterans' housing was built there. Eventually, in 1978, after the housing was torn down, construction on the current library began. It was during the construction of the veterans' housing that one of Mickey's friend's brothers had a strange experience among the exhumed coffins and exposed graves. She said that her brother and his friends... They had gotten out of school, literally came down, and they were had all the remains laid out. And there was a guy with red hair, big beard, big bushy beard. And her brother, there was a hole in the casket, and her brother reached through and tried to take some jewelry or something off of him, which, eh. But anyway, I guess as he did, his hand somehow got tangled in the beard, and he couldn't get his hand back. And I, she said he was screaming like a little girl. And um, so they had to get help to get his hand back out. And she goes, I hope he learned his lesson. 
<laughs> but yeah, I can't imagine. Mickey's book has oral histories from many residents who remember seeing the disinterred bodies, some with red hair, some with military uniforms. Some of the women still had long hair and hair combs still in place. One resident remembered the body of a little girl in shiny boots that had snaps that went above her ankles. In another incident, someone's pet dog was caught with a human bone before construction workers began to guard the site. I have to honestly wonder if the way that some of these bodies really didn't get a lot of respect or deference might have something to do with the events at the library. Charlie Love, the anthropologist pictured holding the skull, went to great efforts to study the remains found in the alley in 1996. And he spoke about the bones and he could tell things. The man was very uh, big boned and like he had worked very hard in his life. So we assumed he was a railroad worker. So who was he? There's no way to tell for sure. But this story for Mickey makes me wonder. And I'm sitting there typing up a report for my boss, and it was due that day. And I was trying to get it going, and I, I was the only one in that particular area. And suddenly, imagine a very tall, kind of big guy stepping behind you, that feeling. And I knew instantly I wasn't alone. And all I could think to do was say, Please understand, I'm sorry, but I have work to do. I know you're curious about me. I'm curious about you too, but please understand. I, I have like an hour to get this finished. So I pleaded with him again. Well, on the third time, I felt it kind of lighten a little bit, and then he stepped off, and he was gone. I've never felt threatened here. I haven't. I do know that they had uh, someone apply to be a head librarian that once she found out about the haunting, she withdrew her application. I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's almost like having these extra coworkers that show up once in a while. Just remember, most of them were townspeople. These are somebody's great-grandparents. These are somebody's relatives. How would you like your family treated? So this is why we push, be respectful, be kind. As we started to conclude the interview, I mentioned the woman's voice I'd heard coming from upstairs. The staff lounge is a pretty active place. And uh, if you want to go up there before you leave, let us know. Both Tiffany and Mickey confirmed they weren't up there and asked me to write down what happened in the library's ghost log. The log has been kept at the library since the early 1990s and has a whole bunch of accounts of people smelling strange smells, hearing strange sounds, and even seeing things. Maybe you'd laugh at what's in the ghost log, but after this interview, all I did was write in the date time and what I'd heard, and I didn't take Mickey's invitation to see the lounge upstairs. Instead, I got into my car and drove further up the hill from the library. So I'm up here at the cemetery. I don't know where in here the mass grave is. Apparently there are two of them. The remains and partial remains of many of the exhumed were put into two mass graves up in the Riverview Cemetery on the hill. At the time of this recording, at least one of those mass graves is marked by a spruce tree. But Mickey says that's going to change soon. They have agreed to pay for the expenses. We are getting plaques made. The city will place them in concrete bases. The plaques are ordered so about a month, maybe a month and a half. I hope that soon they'll be given proper honors and proper grave markers. And I hope maybe that'll help people be at rest. I asked Mickey and Tiffany what they think. I don't think the hauntings are going to stop with the plaques. We still believe there's probably going to be more because at times they definitely find bones.
Thank you for listening to this episode of That Doesn't Happen Every Day. I'd like to thank Mickey Gilmore and Tiffany Kana for being on this episode. If you'd like to visit the Sweetwater County Library, go to Green River, Wyoming. It's on 300 North 1st East in the spot where the cemetery used to be. Visitors are welcome. You're just asked to please treat it like a library. I'll include a link to their website so you can learn more about their history and even find out how you can take a ghost tour when they're available. Mickey Gilmore's book, Spirits in the Stacks, Tales from Sweetwater County's Haunted Library, was used extensively for this episode, and I want to make sure to cite her. And if you'd like to get your own copy of her book, it's also linked in the description. If you would like to advertise on That Doesn't Happen Every Day, please email me just at the email listed in the description, and please share this episode with a friend. I hope to have a new episode to you again within about two weeks. Thanks. Thanks.